P. Ryan is in. One timeout for Cincinnati. And going deep into the end zone and caught by Chase. Oh, my goodness, what a crab. 34-yard touchdown throw. Burrow back to throw. Fires deep down the yeah. sideline. Chase wide oh, open. Oh, oh. Touchdown. Man. Bengals. Unreal. Hello and welcome to episode 185 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. My name is Paul Hirons. Hello from a sombre UK. Uh, it is, of course, uh, the funeral of uh, the late Queen Elizabeth II. And uh, it's a funny old day here in Blighty. The streets are completely empty. Everyone uh, seems to be watching the uh, very solemn and moving proceedings uh, in London and now Windsor Castle. But we thought, you know what, you know, as much as it is a sad day for many people over here, we're going we're gonna to crack on with Cincinnati. Uh, and joining me as ever is Nathan Palmer. Hello, Nathan. Hello, son. Um, a sad day for people in the UK with uh, the Queen's funeral, but also a sad day for Bengals fans around the world reacting to what was a, a pretty horrible performance last night, wasn't it? Oh, dearie me. I mean, we're, we're obviously here to get into it and discuss our thoughts like every other person, um, or at least every other Bengals fan. I'm sure the Cowboys fans are delighted with the, with the results uh, yesterday. Um, but, uh, yeah, Bengals fans... Um, I mean, there's a lot of emotion and anger, as you would imagine, from any defeat. And I think it kind of, when you put it into context, uh, that the expectations were so high. We were really enjoying our moment in the sun last year, and we genuinely thought that this could be built on. And and uh, you know, we had the roster and the talent to to kind of be a contender for the next three, four, five years, but. At this moment, now obviously we've got to mitigate this and say uh, it's only two games of a 17-game season, um, but but in this moment, uh, it's it's a little bit worrying, isn't it? I think it is, and I really believe that we were kind of past a performance um, like that as a team. You, you think you get to a certain stage where there's that much talent and belief and continuity on a roster that you're immune to such horrendous performances. So, you know, everyone has a bad game once in a while, but certainly back to back against two pretty average to below average teams. I, I think it's a real shock to the system that we've come out of these two games against Cooper Rush and Mitch Trubitsky staring down the barrel of 0-2. And, and we've deserved to lose both games. We've not played well and they've matched us or a couple of fluke plays in there. It's just been pretty pretty awful throughout, you know, only turning up for one half, mistakes, penalties, turnovers, um, poor scheming. The, the list goes on, and I know we'll get to, you know, the ins and the outs of where we lost the game, but I think the biggest surprise to me is with a fully healthy team, um, we've just been that bad, and I, I really didn't expect performances of this calibre back-to-back again um, when you've got the talent that we've got on that roster. Yeah, I mentioned the emotion and the anger, but it's also the shock. I mean, yes, you know, everyone's allowed a bad game here and there. And goodness me, there were some moments last year when uh, we didn't think we were going to 
come through uh, or, and qualify for the playoffs, let alone get to the Super Bowl. But, um, I, I mean, <laughs> you mentioned not necessarily losing to Mitch Trubisky and losing to Cooper Rush. It was uh, it was just the manner uh, in which we lost. Now, I, I do think, actually, it was a bit of a freak game against the Steelers. Um, yes, we played badly and, you know, all that kind of stuff. The turnovers were just, you know, you just can't commit five turnovers against any team in the NFL or else you're going to be punished. But your long snapper going down is is basically a once-in-a-decade occurrence and, you know, that's pretty unlucky and that obviously um, affected uh, the result last week in, in the worst possible way. So, you know, willing to write that off as a, a lot of bad fortune there. Uh, but this week, I don't think you can write off as bad fortune. It was just, it was atrocious. It was awful. It was uh, heinous. It was <laughs> all the words that you can think of to describe bad things. Um, it was all of those words sort of scrunched up into a ball of badness, really. Yeah, and the Bengals were gifted an opportunity there not having to play against Dak Prescott away at the Cowboys, where a lot of us had that down as a loss going into the season because Dallas are a good team. But they're missing a few good players on offense. You know, you talk about Dak Prescott, but they're also missing Michael Gallup as well. It's another key part of their offense. So you're playing them at the best possible time. I think Dak's only going to end up being out three, four, maybe five weeks. So that's lucky for the Bengals. You've got a real opportunity there to sort of bounce back. And we were awful against the Steelers. But as you said, Sam, we had a chance to win it. We should have won it. Real fluke at the end that you can't convert those two field goals um, because of the long snapper, etc. So in theory, we did enough to win those games, but didn't, even despite a poor performance. And I thought as bad as the Steelers game was... I wasn't panicking because, we, like you said, we did enough. Burrow threw for over 300 yards. He eventually got into the groove. He thought, you know, maybe he's just shaking off a bit of rust. It's always, you know, the Steelers are always a tough game. All right, we swallow it. It's a difficult one. And you expect it. Everyone's going, you know, going mad on Twitter saying, oh, you know, Joe Boy's going to throw for 700. Yeah, he's going to actually tear the Cowboys a new one. Oh, you Dallas better be what better be scared. And, oh, the defense is going to annihilate Cooper Rush. And, I mean, I, that's obviously a bit over the top, but I really believe that the Bengals would turn up a bit more and say, look, bloody old lads, you know, that's a shocking performance there. We've lost one uh, divisional game at home there against the Steelers. It's going to really hurt. We've got to up our performance against the Cowboys. And not only did they <clears throat> not up their performance against the Cowboys, they were actually worse. And that's a real problem for me because you look at the coaching staff and you look at um, the players and that's that's really concerning to me that between the locker room and the coaches and the schemes that they couldn't come out and be better than they were in a pretty horrible game against the Steelers. Yes. And also it was set up beautifully because every other team in the AFC North lost yesterday yeah. in an absolutely crackerjack day of American NFL, American style football. Bloody hell, that game in Baltimore was something. And that uh, comeback by the Jets, who obviously we play next week, against the Browns was something. The Steelers came thudding back to earth too. I mean, just shows you what a, a really not 
very good team the Steelers are. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. That that makes that loss look worse because they they were outdone by a pretty pretty average lackluster Patriots team, and yeah. we got lucky because they all could have won. I mean, the Ravens. I, I'm not quite sure how anyone how anyone knows how they or the Browns <laughs> lost. I mean, they're real like fluke once a season, once a once every five ten season type losses for both of them. Um, and for the Steelers, you know, a close loss, but they could easily have turned that round. And I tell you what, if they'd all managed somehow to win those games, which at one point they all looked like doing, you could have been in a seriously bad situation already down two games on all of them yeah, um, in yeah. the basement of the AFC North. So as you said, son, a real stroke of luck that we're not having to dig ourselves out of um, a two-game deficit against every team in the division or only two weeks into the season. And of course, our next point, as I mentioned, uh, the Jets this weekend – and uh, and then the Dolphins on Thursday night, and the Dolphins bloody hell, Waddle and uh, Waddle and Tyreek Hill, and a couple of speedsters in that team. They look very dangerous, but we'll get on to that. Okay, let's uh, let's dig a bit deeper. Let's have some reaction. Reaction. That sounds more and more like a lawnmower or something. <laughs> uh, Cowboys 20, Bengals 17. Another heartbreaking last-second walk-off field goal defeat for the Bengals. They came from 17-3 down to tie it with around three minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Um, which, again, as you speak it out loud, it sounds right. Yeah, good. Well done. Well done. Well done, the lads there. Uh, coming back again, it was just typical Bengals, wasn't it? You know, kind of going down early, not turning up in the first half, making adjustments in the second half, being better, much better on defence. They restricted the Cowboys to three points again. Where have we heard that before? Hello, AFC Championship game against yeah. the Chiefs. It was all happening. This seemed, a, a few people asked last year when we sort of settled down and, and kind of had that amazing run at the back end of the season uh, last season. What is this team's identity? And you have to say that it is kind of just digging in and f- just finding a way f- to win. And actually, when we, I mean, we didn't play well at all. I mean, there's no getting away from it. Certainly, an offense. Um, I still expected us to win that game because you. It just proves the point. You only need one or two drives to win a game. And uh, no matter how well or poorly you played, as long as you stick in that game, you find a way to win. And that and that that's in this team's DNA, isn't it? That has been the way we've won in the past. You know, Burrow took a beating again and couldn't get things going on offense. And then we just about did enough to claw our way back in the game. And then suddenly, you know, it was down to the defense to make a stop. And it just... Or at least the ball was in Borrow's hand to make one more drive. Just one more drive into field goal range and Evan would kick the field goal. And how many times times have we seen that before? It was all set up for it and not on this occasion. I think that's the big point, the big takeaway I I can uh, conclude or, or kind of make from this game. You can't do that all the time because just the law of averages... First and foremost, uh, you're not going to be able to escape uh, with a victory from the jaws of defeat every single time. Do you know what I mean? And sure enough, sure enough, last night was a, a case in point. 
Yeah, I mean, you look at our last six games, they've come down to the final play of the game, more or less. You know, apart from the Super Bowl, which was more or less, you know, came down so we couldn't, on fourth down with about a minute to go, couldn't convert. But, I mean, every other game, you know, these two in the last week, we've been beaten by field goals on the buzzer. Super Bowl, I just mentioned the Titan game. We won it with a kick on the buzzer. You go back to um, the Raiders game before that, came down to the last play of the game, an interception for us to get the first playoff win and it, it's just been an absolute roller coaster both good and bad throughout that run and i think the team needs to really as with the quality they've got start really putting wins to people you know really you know really giving people a bit of a throlicking like they did a couple of times last season but a bit more on the regular you know i'm not talking about 20 30 40 point wins i'm just talking about you know really controlling a game and seeing it through even if the wins only by seven or 10 or 13 points or something just really sort of asserting themselves and playing 60 minutes of football consistently at the level we know they can because like you said son if you get into these little bitty games that come down to a couple of points here and there that's where you're relying on coaching it's where you're relying on a bit of luck to be brutally honest and mm. you're not going to get that in the NFL every week like you said and these games at the start of the season they're games that you know you'd look at and say bloody hell Steelers at home with Trubisky that's an absolute nailed on winner we were more than a seven point favorite going into that game we lost Cooper rush away absolute lifeline again we were more than a seven point favorite going into that game into Dallas we lost. There's some serious games down the stretch that we're going to have to turn up in as a result of this. You know, we've got to play Kansas City. We've got to play Tampa. We've got to play the Ravens twice. We've got to play the, the Browns with Deshaun Watson. We've got to play the New England Patriots. There's some serious the games in there. The Bills, exactly. There's some serious games in there that all of a sudden, down the stretch, we're going to be like, bloody hell, we've got to go into Buffalo or we've got to, well, I think they're coming to us, but we've got to win these games because... We, you know, we, we've lost some stupid ones at the start of the season and it puts some pressure on the team. Now, there's nothing wrong with it if we can repeat what we did last year and get hot down the stretch. That's the preferred method anyway. And at the end of the day, you've got to beat these teams if you're going to go to a Super Bowl anyway. But it's just needless pressure that's been put on us with some two with two pretty spineless performances, I think it's fair to say. You know, uh, throughout that uh, first half when uh, nothing was going right, and everything was going wrong, couldn't string a drive together, couldn't protect Burrow, Burrow couldn't hit any of his guys, um, Burrow, you know, arguably taking some sacks as well, I think that's that's has to be mentioned uh, as well. Uh, that, that, that my, you know, as you know, I go on to the Bengals UK, man, the uh, Bengals UK, uh, Twitter during the games and uh, it was quite interesting because a lot of people were just obviously completely enraged by the performance and uh, rightly so but they couldn't quite put their finger on why it was happening you know yeah I saw I, I saw stuff like you know what's all what's Lou doing with all this blitzing uh you know got what are you blitzing Cooper Rush for you got to hang back and let him read the defense and then, you know, you had other people saying, we're far too soft, we need to blitz more, we need to get in his face, you know what I mean? It's on the offense, like, Burrow can't hold it that long, what's he doing, you know? And then, oh, it's the offensive line, oh, there's no running game, it's Joe Mixon, what is Zach doing? And then the play calling uh, yeah. <laughs> came on and there was a, a torrent of people going, Zach's not good enough, get him out, what's he doing? Frank Pollack, you know, regarded as a... That's a pretty good summary of the game. I we could just leave it there. I know, <laughs> but it was, it just says to me that it's, it's a really quite difficult diagnosis, really, because I think there's no, I lots agree. of I... little things going on here that need to be 
I mean, all of those things may be true all at once. Do you know what I mean? There's nothing. They're not mutually exclusive here. I think you know. You look at the way the offensive line played, and I saw some PFF stats today, and you know, interior, which was our problem last uh, uh, last year, seems to be holding up. Uh, Karras and Kappa, and even Volson in, in some cases, kind of fairly steady. Then uh, the two tackles uh, did not again have a good game at all, and I mean one. I mean Leo Collins was signed because of you know one of the best right tackles in the in in the NFL, and he's had a shit house these past couple of weeks. He really has. And yeah. and then I mean last night Micah Parsons, who does to be fair look like you know a superstar already. He looks like to have that sort of magic dust. He's quite an interesting player, really. He's not massive, is he? Like your, like your Miles Garrett's in Cleveland's or whatever. He's not completely stacked, but he's so quick and athletic. He's yeah. ridiculous. And there was some serious mis- miscommunication on that line. I think when, when uh, unbelievably, um, they left Micah Parsons as a free runner a couple of times. Uh, it looked to me that a lot of assignments weren't getting executed very well at all, which, again, you can kind of go back to and argue about all this pre-season stuff. They don't look ready. They looked undercooked. They don't look in sync. Uh, and then you get to Joe Burrow, and there's a you know that's a whole different subject. I mean, but it, it is obviously linked to the offensive line. I think he was sacked another six times last night which you know and even Zach said you know that's just not good enough really um where do I you think, start think, with it all last well, night well it's hard to know where to start because I've got a few subcategories here of like what we're going to talk about <laughs> and I mean you could this could be a two or three hour podcast if we wanted to delve into each one I think touching on what you said about the preseason, I think that to me really stands out as one of the main reasons that this offensive line and offense is so out of sync. You think Burrow not only did he not play any snaps all in the preseason, he had the appendix out. He was out of action. He wasn't really even taking many snaps whatsoever. And Zach very much, I think, to the team was like, look, you know, you've had a long season. You played in the Super Bowl. Have a bit of a rest. Get yourself back there. But the NFL is the NFL. You know, all these teams that missed out on the Super Bowl last year where there's jobs on the line and coaches on the line and everything else, they're coming in hungry as a dog. Mm. And I do think you've got to be careful um, coming in that you're, you're being hunted this year. There was a segment on NFL um, game day morning um, and they were asking a few ex-players that have been in the Super Bowl, you know, what? how did it feel when you got to the Super Bowl the next season after that? Was there a bit of a hangover? And they all were saying, absolutely. They were like, you come in with a bit more arrogance and confidence. You expect yourself to be going back there. And with a great respect to Pittsburgh and um, to the Cowboys with Cooper Rush, I think the Bengals have gone in there over it, underestimating them a bit. They've gone in there. They've not had any real pre- pre-season prep. All right, they're all healthy. But clearly, on both sides of the ball, especially the offense, I mean, especially the offense with, you know, more new starters, it's been a mess. It's been slow. It's been sluggish. I don't think anyone, apart from perhaps Hayden Hurst, perhaps Jamar Chase, but even he had a couple of drops yesterday, didn't really do a whole lot, with, you know, for his talent. I don't think anyone can sit there and say, oh, yeah, I'm pretty pleased with how I've played over two weeks. So I think that's got to be something that they look at next season. I'm not saying you throw Joe Boy out there for, you know, 30 snaps a game every preseason game, but I think he has to participate more, um, at least in one game, at least in a couple of drives, just to, you know, shake off some rust, get in there, take a hit, you know, um, and try and get a bit of chemistry with his line because – 
it's arguably cost us two very, very winnable games. Um, and all right, you know, the one thing you can sit there and say in defense of Zach, and you have to say this because it's crucial and it's what arguably got us to the Super Bowl last year. We haven't got any notable injuries through mm. two games. There's mm. no one of any significance, you know, that I can sit there and say is going to be out for that game against the Jets. You know, all the starters, I think, touch wood, seem healthy, they're fit. You'd hope they'll get better and that the chemistry will arrive, but you just want to hope it's not too late. But moving on to other things that I think we've got to have a chat about the the line i mean we talk about it every week and you've got to talk about joe boy um being responsible for some of the sacks himself yeah, there was a great yeah, yeah. stat and infographic that came out on um twitter just before we came on uh, to record the podcast about um you know for offenses is it the line giving up sacks or is it the quarterback and um there's a bit of a chart sort of you know where does everyone stand on that? And Joe Boy and the Bengals for both, not only for him not avoiding himself, but also the line giving them up. But they were pretty much flat last for both of them through two games. So it gives you a picture of, yes, it's the line. Um, I don't think there's any question about that. But it is also Joe Boy not helping himself out. And you just, you look at what this line's done and there's a whole new cast on there, but the the result just appears to be the same. And I was doing some bit of digging, son, you know, sat there today, bank holiday in the UK, a bit of time on my hands, just looking at Joe Boy against someone like Tom Brady, who's 45 years old, still winning football games. Granted, he, he looks like he's fell off a bit of a cliff this season performance wise, but regardless, Tom Brady, 19-20 with the Patriots, 21 sacks. 2021 with the Bucks, he got 22 sacks. 21-23, he got 23 sacks. And so far this season, in two games, he's had three sacks. That's 69 sacks in three seasons and two games, excluding the postseason. Joe Boy last season, 55 sacks and 13 this season. That's 68. And if you think that's two more entire NFL seasons that Tom Brady's played than Joe Boy, and he's got exactly more or less the same amount of sacks. And I've talked about it in the past um, about Joe Boy and his durability and him getting hit. And I'm not really that fussed around, you know, all the different, well, could it be schemes? Could it be the line? Could it be Frank Pollock? Could it be this? Someone in that team, Mike Brown needs to come down and he's to he needs to start shouting around because if you keep playing like that and your quarterback's getting sacked that many times hit countless more you know that's not taking into account how many times you know how many shots the geezer's taking that he gets the ball out last minute he fumbles whatever else he's just gonna he's not gonna be around very long and he's gonna his mobility is gonna be um limited he's gonna take a few shots and he won't necessarily declare the injuries to to the press, but you'll be playing, you know, with a bit of lack of mobility and you just can't afford that when that guy is your franchise. He doesn't play. And I know he's been ropey for two games, but if he doesn't play and you roll Brandon Allen out there, you can all pack, you'll all pack up and get ready for next season with the greatest respect to Brandon Allen. So, the Bengals have got to sort this out and they need to look at everything because it is a mixture of everything. Joe Boy needs to take some responsibility himself, but I would also argue that the amount of times the geezer has been absolutely knackered over the last couple of seasons, he's probably starting to see ghosts. You saw that of Andy well, this is running the around. Point, yeah, and, this is the point that I wanted to make. I don't disagree about the sacks and the durability. I, I do worry at this moment from watching him these last two games that, his pocket presence and pocket movement look a bit skittish, look a bit uh, panicked, slightly panicked, and that's something that you don't associate Joe Burrow with. Panic, he is Mr. Cool, after all. 
but I am starting to see a little bit of running around needlessly and I don't know, it just looks a bit all over the place at the moment. His accuracy as well on the back shoulder passes look a, looks a tick off or two. Uh, all that kind of stuff will return. I'm absolutely convinced of that. But more worrying to me is is what he's doing in the pocket. And um, we know that he's trying desperately to extend plays so his guys can get uh, uh, can get open downfield. I saw someone on Twitter today lamenting or shocked actually at how deep the receivers' roots are at the moment. Uh, which doesn't help when you've only got a couple of seconds to get a ball off because your offensive line is not um, is not functioning or sinking uh, correctly. I'm a little bit worried about that from Joe, I must say. I, I really, really hope it's not starting to... The pressure and the sacks are not starting to affect him psychologically. I really hope not. Yeah, I mean, it's just the whole thing stinks, doesn't it? Because... You look at the run game, and that's not really been spoken about at all. But no, three Joe yards Mixon, carry, yeah, nineteen yeah. carries for fifty-seven yesterday. Three yeah. bang on three yards of carry, and you know what, Joe Joe Mixon or Mickens, Joe Mickens, as Jim Nance <laughs> inexplicably called him yesterday during the broadcast. I did have a chuckle at that. Good old Joe Mickens. Um, he's not. I mean, he's running hard. Do you know what I mean? He's not like holding back. Um, he still struggles to break, break a tackle or two, I think. But, you know, he's running really hard. But uh, it's just something not there. And, of course, if you can get the running game going, then that opens up play action. Well, then exactly get a bit, Then you can yeah, get a bit fruity with your offense. It really helps the receivers out, really helps Joe Burrow out. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's, he, it's, it's interesting at the moment because, again, going back to – you know, how defences are now attacking us and defending us. They're trying to take away the big play, and they are successfully because they're getting pressure up front. They're loading up the back end, but they're leaving a lot of room underneath. And I really think Joe wasn't, for the most part, wasn't taking, it's that old cliched phrase, wasn't taking what the defence was giving him yesterday. There was a lot of stuff, there's a lot of stuff underneath that could happen. And I do think that uh, game planning wise that needs to be addressed and focused on actually because that's the way we're going to move the ball quickly uh, I think Paul Danis said yesterday that um, even though we went on that monster 19 play eight and a half minute drive which thank goodness ended up in a touchdown and a, and a two-point conversion to tie the game you can't do that all game you've got to find the way to move the ball down the field quicker mm. and more yep, efficiently yep. and first down efficiencies just like non-existent at the moment there's lots of things going on that need to be ironed out and it's just like i think a lot of people are out there just saying what the hell is going on this is not the team that played last year no absolutely and the the irony is you talk about the running game for the bengals i'll tell you where the running game for the bengals has been it's been joe boy i mean he's put up <laughs> right, i think he put yeah, up yeah. 27 28 yards on the ground yesterday last week against the steelers uh, i think he had 47 yards i mean he's already up for like 70 yards rushing in two games which is not far off what joe mixon's got so you talk about that sort of what he's doing, running around, trying to make things happen. You don't want Joe Burrow really to be running that much. You want him to sit, sat down in the pocket, making his passes, going through his reads. And 
you know, you don't want him out there running, taking shots. I mean, we got quite lucky, I thought, um, on a couple of those unnecessary roughness calls yesterday where people are laying into him and taking shots. I think they were a little bit, you know, could have gone either way. And they were fortunate for us that they went for us. But again, it's more shots that he's taking. It's more things. And you know, we, we don't want to be, you know, Joe Boy is a decent sized lad. Don't get me wrong. But he's not built to be taking 15 hits a game from linebackers, defensive ends and the rest of them. You know, we need, we need to keep him out of those situations if we can and be smart about it um but i do think as well going back to the run game just quickly um i'm really surprised this season we've not seen anything of chris evans i thought that he would come into it this year maybe he, he was used a little bit last year he's got a bit of speed i don't know people were talking about him maybe being used in the um the passing games and situationally and we've not seen anything from the geezer he has had a carry i don't believe he's had a catch um i think it's more to do with pass protection if i'm being honest with you yeah I think I think that's it. That's it. I mean, there's no doubt in his talent, as you say, his speed. And you're right. You know, there there was some talk about his role being elevated this year, but I just don't. From what I, this is a guess and it's pure speculation on my part. I just don't think they they trust him in pass protection. Not that P Ryan's any. Well, he's probably better uh, in pass protection, and Mixon ha, uh, Mickens has uh, <laughs> Mickens has improved over the past couple of years in pass pro. So I know I think that's it really. Um, what about Zach though? Um, I mean, there was one really big head scratching moment towards the end of the second, uh, first half when we'd we'd driven down just inside the just outside their forty, and um, you know it's like fourth down and six. But you know without and he punted the ball and um, we were seventeen three down. I think uh, someone I think that's correct uh, at the time. We weren't playing very well, so I can kind of understand that conservatism at that in that particular situation, um, because you know if you if you don't score a sixty-yard field goal, you give the Cowboys an opportunity to build on and uh, perhaps unassailable lead yeah, into yeah. half time. So I do understand that conservatism, but it would have been I think it might have been. Um, you either go for it on fourth and six, as the Cowboys did earlier on in the game, you know, around the same sort of spot, actually, on the first drive, I think it was, wasn't it? Um, and they converted that fourth and, and longish, certainly longish for a fourth down. Um, or you let Evan have a go um, when he's quite capable of kicking a 60-yarder indoors without any wind or weather conditions to worry about. I mean... Again, I it's a coin flip for me, but um, it's a lot of times I think Zach would have gone for that last year, and I, I, it it just kind of speaks to how everyone's feeling about this team. Everyone's a bit unsure of themselves. I wonder if the confidence is lacking a little bit. Uh, well, it's bound to be. Um, it was an interesting decision, and again, you know, the, the people who think that Zach is very conservative in his play calling and situational play. Uh, had a field day on that one, um, but I, I start, started to come round to their way of thinking. Not that I wasn't, but I was always, uh, you know, jurors out sort of guy. But they're kind of right, you know. If Joe Boy's under centre, it's very rarely that he's gonna he's gonna pass the football. He's always gonna hand it off to Mixon. If he's in shotgun, he's pretty much always gonna pass the ball. We are a little bit predictable and and kind of. Um, yeah, I think predictable is the word. 
on quite vanilla on offense, which yeah, is weird when you feels... look at the weapons we've got. We should be scheming the heck out of everyone, really, just finding new and interesting ways to use these incredible guys. Well, this is what I mean, that the talent there is is phenomenal on paper. Um, and at the start of the season, they were talking, and Joe Boy said it in an interview, and a lot of other people were talking about it, is how are you going to stop this team? You know, you've got Jamar Chase, Coy, all the speed. You've got Tyler Boyd, a possession receiver. He'd be fantastic. You've got T. Higgins as well. You know, he's got the, the sort of strength and the frame and can go up and get the ball. That's, you know, the, the best three receivers in the NFL. You've upgraded that offensive line, brought in some real good veteran talent, and then everything else is at least the same. Um, arguably, Hayden Hurst. He's better than Uzama. He's, he's at least probably as good. He so looked like, good, didn't he? Yes, I thought. Uh, shame he didn't catch that pass uh, down the scene. Yeah, uh, that would yeah. be perfect. I, That's I want to see catch, though, isn't it. It was, that? it was. But I want to see more of that from the Bengals because they, they've yeah. got this athletic tight end. Get him down the seam and and get him in between the lines and get, get him the ball. You know. So. Yeah, but it looks flat and it looks vanilla. And like you said, there's not enough there. Um, that I think you can sort of say, well, yeah, they're being creative, they're doing this and that. I do think it probably is coming from the fact that they're not convinced and confident in the offensive line's ability to do anything. It's perhaps no, slightly no, more I interesting, think right. you know, I think they are. pitches I think outside right, and yeah, all this sort of stuff. I don't know if they're they're sat there thinking, oh, you know, it's, it's a bit early on yet. These guys haven't had much training camp. They haven't had much time working together we don't want to you know pile all this stuff on them you think Lael Collins who's been particularly poor in two games he had a back problems didn't he throughout the yeah um the off season and during camps he's barely played at all probably hasn't worked out a lot you know how troublesome that the back injuries are so that is probably where it stems from um and there's just a general amount of rust it, it's hard to look at this team three four five games down the line and say that they'd still be playing like this. I just think something fairly colossal would have to be going on behind the scenes for this team to just, you know, be chipping out sort of 200 yards here, a couple of picks, turnovers, stagnant play. I mean, it just feels like there has to be enough talent there and that it would just eventually power through certainly the coaching staff as well. I mean, Zach's been there a long while now, you know, he's, he's seen it all before he's played these teams before he knows what to expect. He knows the tricks of the trade. He's worked with these players. He knows their strengths and weaknesses. It's not vastly dissimilar to, to last year. So, I mean, you've got to hope something's going to happen. And I know everyone wants a bit of a scapegoat after a game like this, and you can point at a lot of different figures, um, Pollock, Zach, Joe Boy, the line, you know, you'd all be fairly justified. But I do think that they've got, they've got a seriously limited amount of time to get things right. And that team needs to get in, get in the facility when they get back to Cincinnati today or last night. And, sit there and scratch a few heads and say, look, this has got to be better against the Jets. Because I think if you lose that game against the Jets, I mean, yeah, I, I think you then the panic button would be allowed to be pressed, I think. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they've got to, they've got to step things up, change things if need to be. I mean, they can't throw out a whole offence and reinstall a new one in a week. Do you know what I mean? But they can certainly make a game plan up that, uh, you, you know, again, takes what the defence gives us. And this is a weird thing. It's like people talking about Tampa 2 and cover 2 and, you know, defences kind of, you know, adjusting to that to take away the 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 big play and a long, deep pass and all that. Those concepts, defensive concepts, are not revolutionary. These aren't the first... This, you know what I mean? They've been around for years. So it's kind of... Yeah. It shouldn't be too hard to scheme against... Um, 
but anyway, something needs to happen, or else uh, I tell you what, we're not going to be, uh, we're not going to have a chance of retaining the uh, Lamar Hunt Trophy. That's for sure. Let's see what you guys think out there. I think just, just quickly, Sam, go before we we go to the correspondence, I want to pick your brain on something that I've written down. What what do you make about all this Pollock stuff? I don't know. Jury's out. I don't know. Simple as that. I just don't know. It's difficult to say. At the moment, the wrong game's not working. The offensive line's not working. So you could kind of say, well, come on, Frank, man. You know, you were bought in. We glass eaters and all this and all that. But it's not going well. So, you know, he's just as culpable as everyone at the moment. Uh, I I wouldn't know the ins and outs of it, though. So, yeah, I, I would say that he is culpable, as culpable as anyone else. And he's got to, you know, he's got to step things up somehow. Uh, and quickly right let's go to our correspondences we had our first online tailgate of the season on sunday that was marvelous we had a fantastic uh, musician called rebecca Milam who played live for us we had tom mcdowell's guinness and pretzel wings uh he cooked up for us in his kitchen and we'll be back of course uh before the jets game at 4 p.m uh British time on Sunday and I do believe some of our flock are going out to New York this uh week Nathan how exciting is that I know uh Ben and Stu Davis and Vicky are going so uh there's a bunch of people going so I've, I've been to see the Jets before in New York the Jets game they have a fantastic time there's a Bengals bar in New York as well I think it's called Phoebe's which is a great right, okay. um, place to congregate after the game with Bengal, uh, fellow Bengals fans if they get the win um, no okay. you'll have a great time great okay well that's all happy and uh, exciting let's get to some real storm under drang in uh, comments we are of course at today underscore UK on Twitter Bengals UK on Facebook Let's start with Simon Hunter, at Simon Hunter underscore. Uh, it feels like the delayed off-season and focus on the draft has really hurt them. Uh, stumble into the season, but we played two scheme wreckers in back-to-back weeks, which is fair enough. Got to give credit to people like TJ Watt, Cameron Haywood, and Micah Parsons, and, and Lawrence, and all those guys. We will be better, says Simon. We need to be. Correct. Jamie at Truckwatt Pista. Zach Taylor cannot be an effective play caller while being a head coach at the same time. Imagine what an innovative play caller. Say someone like a Hugh Jackson at the top of his game could do with this offence. Perhaps we need to find this sort of guy from outside the organisation. I feel the Bengals' best ever roster is being wasted. I think that's a good point about the the best ever roster. I, whether or not we've just hyped ourselves up into a state of delusion, I don't know. But certainly from the the teams we've seen in the past, this does feel like the best opportunity and the best roster we've had. So I think it's a good point. You, you don't want this season to just fluff out to a, you know, nine and eight or something really minuscule like that and you miss the playoffs. I think that would really would be unforgivable, especially with the, the contract situations coming up. We, we've got to sort this out quickly i remember you asking me um when after the 88 89 super bowl uh, the bengals only went something like eight and eight or seven and nine or something like that the year after you asked me why did they do that i think you're getting a taste of why that may and can happen yeah it's a fair point uh it's yeah it's anyway i was gonna say the nightmare is unfolding before our very eyes the one thing that i didn't want to happen is happening. But, you know, again, two games in. 
they I think we all agree that they need to kick themselves up the arse, they need to kick each other in the arse uh, and do it quite quickly, quite hard as well. Good hard kick, Nathan, in the in the in the slats and the arse to get them going again. That's what I want to see. I want a live stream of people kicking each other in the arse. Quite frankly, in the locker room, I'd watch. It's taking that. a dark turn, son. It has, yeah. Sorry, um, Memphis Soul Stew at Stuart Bed six eight eight. Super Bowl hangover. Looks like they're still on the piss. Ah, the highs and lows of being a Bengals fan. We're going to come to a first-time Bengals fan in a moment, and uh, I think that's the perfect tweet to welcome him into <laughs> into Bengaldom. Uh, Phil Hatton at Bengal Blue Boy. Solid handle. Despite concerns replay calling, I think the unpalatable simple truth is that Borough has been poor by any standards, let alone his. Seems like he's seeing ghosts, stroke, dropping his eyes, etc. Need Joe Shiesty back, ASAP. Absolutely, Phil. Uh, Bianco Verde at Bianco Verde. Um, Solid handle. Play calling, predictable. Offence, pedestrian. O-line, porous. Joe Burrow, perplexing, and the list goes on. Genuinely concerned two games in. They look like a bunch of guys that have just met each other a few days ago. I have no answers, only questions. Philosophical uh, tweet there from Bianca Verde. Stu Davis at uh, Stu Davis. It's not a case of where the next win is coming from because as soon as we start playing better teams, they will absolutely destroy us if nothing changes. More concerned about how long Burrow will stay healthy. No person can keep taking sacks like this. Worrying times. Indeed, Stuart. Peter Dadswell at Dadders. Can't play for just 30 minutes and expect to win. O-line issues put down to communication, but how hard it is to, to is it to communicate don't give their best pass rusher a free run to our franchise QB. D-line not stopping the run and not getting to pass that. Must do better. Talent is there. Um, yeah, I agree with Pete, but I think, you know, they obviously did a bit of deception. Dan Quinn is a, is a proper football coach and he's coordinated, defensive coordinator of the Cowboys. He's a fine, fine coach and he obviously schemed something then because, and also there's miscommunication because on that, on when, you know, when Micah Parsons ran freely um, that time, which I think left us all kind of like, what? <laughs> that's not that's not a winning formula letting Michael Parsons as a, as a free runner that's for sure um, I did see Lael Collins move inside and block Alex Kappa's guy so I do think there was some miscommunication there um, and they did kind of stop the run in the second half definitely DJ Reader was pretty immense throughout that whole game actually I thought and Sam Hubbard uh, looked as if he was going to take over that fourth quarter at one stage so the defence played well, I think, um, but certainly, as Pete says, some some work to do. Andrew Dockerell at Dockers seventy seven can't keep trying to win from two score holes. OL not take any preseason reps for comms looks super silly. Burrow clearly not hundred percent and taking bad sats, but stale conservative play calling isn't helping. Defence has been great in the second, but slow first drives too. This team, LYs. I don't know what LYs stand for. What does LY stand for? Is that a hip thing that the kids say these days? Dockers, you'll have to tell me. Uh, Daniel at London Bengal. The offence just looks rusty to me. Ken Troop at Super Trooper, 64. Oh, come on, that's a solid handle, that is. 
I don't know, son. I, I gave Bengal Blue Boy one, but I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm Super not Trooper? His name's Ken Troop. He's made a pun on his name. That, that's I'm, I'm down with that. <laughs> Stolid handle. <laughs> Thank you. There you go. See, I campaigned for you, Ken. Uh, we need to adapt and be much more creative on offence. We're now a known quantity and far too predictable, especially on offence. And teams have us figured out. Uh, not only is that, but a number of players need to step up their game. Jonah, Collins, Hendrickson, even Joe. Uh, Natty Boy 831. Natty Boy 8315. He's added a five onto the end of his handle, which is a bit cheeky. Uh, we need to be able to put two decent halves together instead of just playing good in the second half. Stephen McNish at McNish86. Uh, Zach has done a good job as team and culture builder, but the offense is so predictable. And easily defended. I hope he has enough about him to hire someone to help take the load off him. Maybe try to get Brady away from the Bills and, and reunite him with Joe and Chase. I think one one thing to say about some of the some of the commentary we've had and the correspondence, sorry, um, about different coaches and changes. There won't be any changes during this regular season unless the Bengals go zero and ten or something, and Zach does get get fired that they're not going to at any point change that they've gone into the season with the coaches that they believe are the right for the job and barring an absolute catastrophe um they're not going to stray from that you know it's too difficult to just come in in the middle of an nfl season and um just start wielding changes you can do it in english football um it's a lot easier a bit more motivational um with stuff like that but I don't think in the NFL they're ever going to seriously start bringing in new people, running new schemes and changing it all up, you know, mid midpoint in the season. You very rarely see that. Trey Odell at I am Bruce, 17. Uh, Joe Boy appears to have lost some of his swagger. So I also thought that marriage is a solid handle, but there we go. Moz at Moza, 92. It's all a bit rubbish, isn't it? Two games down and the hope... Is already quickly draining. It's difficult to watch. We just look like a bad collective football team right now. And if it wasn't for the defence, you'd wonder how bad it would be. Uh, he's also questioning Pollack's job. Sean, a disciple of Ange, looking pretty depressing right now. Sunday is massive. You're not kidding, Sean. Bloody hell. Uh, Rob Hill at Surely This Season. Um... Big mistake not playing the line pre-season. Now gelling on the fly and it's a slow process. It's early, but I'm seeing nothing offensively to be positive about. First fix should be running lanes for Mixon. Also, Dalton would be hammered for that performance. Tentative and gun-shy. Someone did actually uh, uh, compare uh, Joe Boy's performance, or at least, um, you know, he's... he's uh, his his pocket presence and the way he operated in the pocket too a bit like Andy Dalton in his last um, days in Cincinnati. What do you think about that? I, I can see where they're coming from, just on the basis that it feels like when the ball's snapped back, they're looking for quick passes that um, to get the ball out quickly, right by the line of scrimmage. He's running around a lot. He's seeing ghosts a lot. I mean, Andy Dalton, when he was here at the end, it just felt like when he got the ball, he was just off on the run. Um, and he would just see what he could make happen, try and check a few balls down. But it became very predictable. The defences knew what was coming. And you never really felt like Andy could hit anyone deep down the field. And, 
um, cut the defence apart. Now, you certainly don't have that problem with having someone like Jamar Chase on the team who can just take the lid off a defence. I mean, you saw the Dolphins do it yesterday, as you said, son, with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Um, and that really does, as a defence, um, give you a headache because there's only so much that you can commit to trying to stop the run or commit to trying to... Um, you know, hoover up these short passes when you know that Giza can just take the top off. We've got that in Jamar Chase. I'd be a bit concerned if Chase was to go down because T. Higgins is very, very good, but he's not necessarily a burner. And Tyler Boyd is absolutely not that sort of player. And he was around when Andy Dalton was doing it. So I don't know. If bizarre. I mean, there's there's so many things to point at and be frustrated with through uh, through these two games. My biggest hope is it's rust and it's lack of chemistry and that this team will sort themselves out, play a good game, hopefully against the Jets, and that will spring them into action. Um, we can still get those ten plus wins, but it, it needs to happen soon. I do think that will happen. But I do also think that the scheme will be kept pretty much the same. And I think the hope is that we will try and replicate what happened last year. Same scheme, but much sort of better, sharper, in-sync play within that scheme. Um, right, now here's, here's our first-time Bengal person, fan type uh, man. And um, Paul at P. Car Burns, welcome along, Paul, says... Stayed up and watched my first live game, watched last week's on replay. Struggled to get up this morning. Need tips for staying up late and getting up early on Monday for work. As a newbie to the sport, to me, it seemed uh, too easy to get to and harass uh, the QB. Or is that too simple a statement to make? I don't think it is. I think he's caught on quite quickly, to be honest with you. Uh, no, you're absolutely right, Paul. It looked a bit too easy, didn't it, to fluster borrow? Um, yes. Uh, and uh, Paul says that um, uh, an NFL team picker suggested as the team for him to follow, and he's he's gone with the NFL team picker. So first of all, Paul, uh, welcome along. It is the bane of um, um, a NFL fan in the UK and what do you do when there is a late game that finishes at half 12 or even later a game that starts at like half 12 midnight finishes at 3 and even later starts at 1 o'clock and finishes at 4. What What's what's the strategy there Nathan? I think a game like the 9.31 you just got to swallow it and you, and you know you're going to be a bit knackered. The, the one problem I always have watching a Bengals game is after the game going to yeah. bed is quite difficult because you're quite hyped up. You, yeah. You know, you've probably had a drink or you've had some food and you, you're not really in the mood to just relax, put your nut down and go to sleep. So that's always a slightly difficult one. The, the games that start half one and go on to half four, maybe five, the only thing, the only way you can deal with them is A, take the day off after or B, which I think probably the best strategy is to go to bed at about half ten, keep for um two to three hours wake up watch it and then go back to bed at five for another sort of two three hours depending on what time you got to be up you get five hours you you feel a bit knackered it's all right if they win if they win you sort of feel good about it and you can um justify in your mind and you won't let the tiredness get the better of you if they lose which they often do lose on those late night games in my experience um it's not a pleasant 
um, atmosphere for my co-workers the next day. <laughs> uh, I, I do think that, um, well, I'm actually here. It's not a pleasant atmosphere for your co-workers most days, Nathan. When you, <laughs> any, anyway. <laughs> um, napping strategies, Paul. Have a nap if uh, mid-afternoon, maybe post-lunchtime, two, three o'clock in the afternoon, a cheeky half an hour just takes takes the edge off anything that may be encountered later on and then of course uh, some strong coffee and if you don't drink coffee some sort of um, energy drink some sort of drug <laughs> some sort of illegal substance just to keep you uh, to keep you going through that no like uh, you know just a just a, an energy drink I guess but uh, the one that obviously doesn't uh, turn you insane because whenever I've had a because I don't drink coffee whenever I have an energy drink a, they taste the most disgusting thing in the world. Uh, they taste like sort of fake, I don't know, melted, boiled sweets and the sugary death. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but they just, they just, I could feel my heart banging against my rib cage. And yeah, if you're not used to, if you're not used to coffee, holy moly! I can like, imagine oh, it I want to start does crawling the walls. As you say, it does my nut in and my nuts in, and just kind of does me in completely. So you know, uh, well, you do know. you drink tea, Sam? Uh, occasionally, no. I'm just no. I've never been. A, uh, no, I'm just one of those weird. You must have like people. fizzy drinks with caffeine in, though. Like yeah, Coke I love a bit of diet coke and you know all that kind of business. And recently, because I've been going to the gym quite a lot, <laughs> you know, get me. Listeners really are getting an insight into my exciting world away from the podcast mic here. Um, I've been having this brand uh, energy drink called Tenzing, and it's all oh, yeah, yeah. natural that, that, business. Yeah, yeah. And it's not bad because it's not pumped full of caffeine. It just gives you a little oh hello little uh, you know little booster, and uh, and even that's enough for me because I say I'm not used to drinking that much caffeine. So. Um, Anyway, Paul, um, I don't know whether that's helped you in any way, shape or form, but uh, you're very welcome along to the Bengals UK community and hopefully uh, we'll see you at a meet-up uh, one of these days. We are in the first knockings of uh, getting together our next meetup, so stay tuned. Again, we can be reached on Twitter at Huday underscore UK, Bengals UK on Facebook and uh uh, Bengals underscore UK on uh, on the old Instagramicals. And that's about it, really. Lots of anger, lots of angst, lots of emotion there. Let's hope uh, all calms down. And then we head into New Jersey on oh, Jersey. No fucking Jersey. No, that's not very good at all, is it? Um, next Sunday, it's I think it is a must win, Nathan, don't you? Yeah, I think if you don't win it, you're going to really struggle to eke out 10 wins in your last 14 games against the opposition you've got. Again, the Jets, you look at the, the schedule, you'd say they're one of the easier games, but it's an away game. And we saw last season against the Jets that we couldn't we couldn't beat them. Um, Joe Flacco, I can't believe at the ripe old age of 37 years old, he's still slinging it about. And to be fair to the geezer, he's he's thrown for five touchdowns, just one interception, 616 yards in two games against the Browns and the Ravens, who have both got pretty good defences. Um, I don't think it's going to be a very easy game. I really don't. I, I think it might arguably be more difficult than the first two. I think the, the Jets are probably a shade 
better than the Steelers. I really don't think the Steelers are going to be a very good team this year. Um, and then, I don't know, they're probably not much different to the Cowboys with Cooper Rush. I think maybe the Jets' defence is not as potent as you've seen from um, the Steelers when they did have TJ Watt in there and um, what we saw last night with the Cowboys. But it's always difficult going on the road. New York's a very feisty stadium. They'll be absolutely pumped up as well getting that win against against the Browns. It keeps their season firmly alive. They're one and one Robert Salah's been saying in the press, isn't he? He's taking receipts and he's pissed off and they'll be absolutely buzzing coming off that win. And they'll look at us and say, get these geezers at 0 and 2. Why can we not beat them and go 2 and 1? So it's still, you know, the, for the team that we were going down the stretch last year and during the playoffs, this is, it should be an easy win. Um, but I do think Bengals fans, we've got to tone down our expectations here and take this game very seriously because it's not just that, oh, of course, we'll beat the Jets. Oh, it's the Jets. We've, we've, we've made that mistake twice this season, um, thinking that we're better than we are. And we've got to turn it around and we've got to turn it around fast. And like I said, when the boys get back into the building today, last night, they've got to have a serious chat and figure things out because you're one loss away from being in a desperate situation at 0-3 um, with the rest of that schedule to come. Uh, so a win. What's your early early prediction? I think it'll be. Uh, do you know what? I think it'll again it'll be a really tight game. I said, like I said, the last six games have all come down to the last plays of the game. I think we'll be better. Um, I said that last week, and we were worse. I said there's no <laughs> way we could be worse. Um, so I don't know if I wanted to make that mistake again. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, I think we'll certainly be the favourite. I'm going to go that we're going to win it, but I, I'm not confident. I was confident we'd beat Dallas, and I was very confident we'd beat the Steelers. I, I'm not confident we're going to beat the Jets, but <clears throat> you've got to. If Joe Boy loses three straight games to so Joe Flacco, Mitch Trubisky, and um, Cooper Rush, I mean, we'll be the laughing stock of the NFL because you wouldn't see. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, people like that that are at the top of their game losing games like that back to back. So the, the, if we lose that game, I'm, I'm ready to press the panic button because it will be a, it'd be a disaster. Same here. Uh, although I am tipping us to go into uh, New York and win. I just think, you know, we've got a chip on our shoulder from last year. Uh, the Jets have signed a lot of players this year um, and fair play to them. They had a, Terrific comeback win against the Browns. So they're again, like you said, they're not to be taken lightly, and they've got some good players. Some of which are ex-Bengals. Kyle Lawson, C.J. Uzama, Sauce Garner from the Bearcats will be playing. Yes, uh, you he know, got so knocked yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but you know, there's plenty of nice little storylines there. I don't know. I don't know. I just hope that they they get things on track. It's a it's an easily lost game, a losable game. Um. I mean, yeah. I mean, if, well, we, if we you, turn you, you up and play like we did yesterday, we'll lose again, basically. Yeah. No the thing, doubt. you gotta you got to remember as well is after this game, you're playing the Dolphins. I know it's at home, but the Dolphins have been the feel-good story of the season so far. Some fantastic wins, some incredible offensive play. And I'll tell you what, you can't... It'd be hard enough going into a game like that, one and two, and knowing that Cole, we really don't want to slip to one and three here against someone in the AFC who's playing that well. But, I mean, that's going to be a serious handful for, for our D-backs covering Waddle and um, Gasicki and Tyreek Hill. I mean, that's serious, serious offence. So, again, it puts a bit of 
pressure on the Bengals in this game against the Jets to go in there and be like, right, come on, lads, let's let's t- let's treat this game as if it's a playoff game because the the longer that you don't and we muck around and it, play like we have in the last two weeks, it the season will be over before you know it. Oh dear, I don't think we were we were prepared for these conversations so early uh, this year, if at all. Um, but let's keep our fingers crossed. Let's keep positive. Uh, thank you for listening, as ever. Um, Again, we can be reached on social media. It'd be great to hear from you. Uh, we've got our online tailgate again, 4 p.m. Sunday, across uh, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. So check us out. We'll have some more live music and more food stuff. We may even have some Bengals fans direct from uh, from New York to tell us about their, how their experience is going. But until then, it's a who day from me. And a who day from me. Cheers, guys.
And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.